X-Men Comics are back, baby. Marauders number 10 kicks off the return of post-comic shutdown X-Men, and it's another great entry from Jerry Duggan, with art by Stefano Caselli and Edgar Delgado. Today, I will answer, what happens in Marauders number 10, and what does it mean for the Dawn of X? Where did the Marauders get a spaceship? And, okay, seriously, what's the deal with Cape Pride and Resurrection? I'm going to talk about some of the many theories as well as pitch one of my very own, my absolute favorite theory for why Cape Pride is having such a tough time resurrecting. This is Kraken Krakoa number 56. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of Comic Book Herald. If you like the CBH YouTube channel or podcast, please consider liking, subscribing, and sharing. Links to channels and Patreon support are included in the show notes. You can find full X-Men and comic book reading orders on comicbookherald.com, including a complete issue-by-issue, chronologically ordered Dawn of X reading list. I've had a few people asking for this lately. That is, in fact, on Comic Book Herald. Spoilers for discussed comics, especially Marauders number 10 may follow. Marauders number 10 focuses on Emma and the crew's efforts to squash their many enemies after the death at sea of Captain Cape Pride. The proceedings begin with the Russian manufacturer of mutant power-dampening weapons based on designs originally built by mutant and Krakoan ally Forge. This is a smart and much-needed focus, as it's felt like mutant squelching tech has been available to every Tom, Dick, and Igor throughout the Dawn of X. I particularly like that it's Storm who confronts Forge about the misuse of his designs, since it was Storm who was hit and depowered by this tech back in Uncanny X-Men number 185, and explored in Uncanny 186, Life Death by Chris Claremont and Barry Windsor Smith. This doesn't come into play in this issue, but I having just coincidentally read Marvel Fanfare number 40 last night, I do also like to point out that it was actually Mystique who set Storm up to get hit by that tech way back when, and that she cosplayed as Mohawk Storm during their nightclub meeting, which, if you're going to cosplay as anything, is a great choice. Emma kicks off the Hellfire Trading Company's mission without consulting the Krakoan Quiet Council, standing them up and particularly leaving Sebastian Shaw out of the loop. It's revealed that the prevalence of these new anti-mutant weapons is the result of a kidnapped former Forge assistant, fortunately still somewhat loyal to Forge, despite working against his will for anti-mutant threats, he's at least intentionally mitigating the weapon's power, so the effects are relatively temporary compared to the way Forge used it, or Forge's weapon was used, on Storm. Emma, Forge, Bishop, and crew infiltrate an opposing vessel to destroy the technology and free the weapon designer. With Kate out of action, Emma steps into a more active role, taking out a variety of soldiers with Pyro and his I know that's a Marauder's tattoo on his face, but it sure looks like Blackface look at her side. One of the most memorable scenes involves Emma unbuttoning her top and confronting soldiers before psychically ordering them to shoot each other in the kneecaps. With Emma weaponizing her sexuality, I didn't find this as sleazy as it often can be throughout superhero comics history, and frankly it's perfectly in character for Emma to own her sexiness as a weapon. That said, the strangest part is that she would need to. Emma's a remarkably powerful telepath, and it seemed odd to me that she would need to distract four soldiers in this particular way, visually striking as it is. Upon completion of the successful mission, Emma mind-wipes the vessel's opposing forces, not only so that they'll forget the last month of their anti-mutant lives, but so that they will become accepting, tolerant, empathetic people towards mutants and all oppressed minority groups, specifically calling out gay, disabled, and trans peoples. My first thought here was that I love Emma resolving threats with a dose of inclusivity, but I'll admit this is a bit of a Pandora's box. Why not do something like this more broadly? Why not manipulate minds to remove hate and bigotry on larger scales? Surely, with all the powerful telepaths at Krakoa's disposal, there are options here. I don't think the intention is anything other than this confined gesture, but it begs the question about psychic control as a larger part of mutant kind's plans. The biggest development during the Marauder's successful rescue mission is the reveal of the team's deadass spaceship. 
Bishop, looking absolutely dapper in his new Black Panther meets Red Bishop costume, asks Christian Frost about the ship and receives some relatively mysterious answers. The ship is called the Mercury, which is the same name of the ship we've previously seen in submarine form, piloted by Christian back in Marauders No. 5. I take the name to allude to the shape-shifting liquid state of the vehicle. There is, of course, one of the younger, newer mutants, uh, Cecily Kincaid, who is known as Mercury, but the idea that this young mutant was turned into a ship still seems rather unlikely. Otherwise, my first thought was a repurposed EVA, EVA, Phantom X's ship slash mutation. I'm not entirely sure how this would work sans Phantom X, and given his mysterious status, presumably until giant-sized Phantom X, we may just have to wait and see. Still, I quite like the idea of EVA playing a role in the Marauder's work. I'm curious about what your own theories might be here about what this spaceship could be, where Emma would have gotten it from. Which brings us back to the mystery Marauders has been teasing since issue number one, what's the deal with Kate Pride and Krakoa? Issue number 10 once again confirms that Sebastian Shaw was correct in postulating Kate would not be able to revive via resurrection protocols, as Professor X and the Five face yet another failed attempt. I've seen a billion really fun theories about why this is the case from Kraken Krakoa comments. My favorites are probably Kate's and Neo, and that she's a non-mutant X-Men sleeper based on the Adamantium Agenda miniseries. And while researching, I found a fantastic debunking exploration video on these exact concepts from Blurge Without Fear. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's well worth a watch. In the meantime, though, I'll pitch my current working theory, aside from the most likely answer that I've been saying, which is that Kate's powers are simply unique and freak out Krakoa. For starters, I don't think Kate's being locked out of Krakoa by Moira and company intentionally. In her letter to Nightcrawler, Kate writes, Hell, I can't even phase through most of Krakoa, which I've seen X-Fans to take mean Moira is blocking Kate's powers so she can't uncover her no places on the island. A couple thoughts here. One, I don't believe Krakoa has power-dampening setup for non-mutants, so if Kate was some sort of non-mutant, neo, external, etc., her powers should still work. Again, this is conjecture, but we've seen the Fantastic Four powers work on Krakoa, so it's not inherent to mutants. And two, Kate's inability to phase through Krakoa would have to be a one-person block set up and somehow implemented by Myra at all, on the off chance that she might accidentally phase directly into one of Myra's no-places. That just seems like an extensively irrational fear to have, as opposed to, say, precognitive mutants, who would be more likely to uncover Myra's many secrets. So, if there is going to be a rationale beyond incompatible power sets, back in the original Fantastic Four vs. X-Men miniseries from 1987, the mutant massacre had left Kate unable to turn solid, stuck in a phase state that was threatening her life. To save Kitty, the X-Men turned first to the Fantastic Four, and ultimately to Doctor Doom. It seems not only believable, but likely that Doctor Doom would have altered Kate in some way in order to ensure and leverage that he had leverage against mutants at a much later date. Likewise, Doom's own plans may have been complicated by an absolute comedy of errors that occur while Doom, and then Reed Richards, attempt to keep Kate's body from completely dispersing to the winds. Magneto's messing with the systems left and right, throwing around magnetic blasts, Psylocke's desperately trying to keep Kitty's personality and memories together, and Reed has to perform all the calculations instantly in his head without any errors. I'd completely buy that whatever backdoor secret Doom implanted got warped in the process and is causing feedback that keeps Kate out of Krakoa. A few supporting pieces of evidence, apart from the fact that Doom never acts out of pure benevolence that won't also support his own quest for power. First, there's a callback to Kate's injuries in the Mutant Massacre in Duggan's letter from Kate to Kurt, in this very Marauders number 10. More directly, in the pages of 2020's X-Men Fantastic Four, Kate is a central player, with a series occurring chronologically prior to Marauders number 6, accepting the aid of Doctor Doom as he now seeks to aid Franklin Richards in his own fading power set. Kate's turn to Doom is perfectly validated within the storyline, but it's also possible this is part of the triggers Doom implanted. Plus, it's perfectly clear that Doom resents the hell out of Professor X's Krakoa and the implication that anyone could be superior to him, 
It's hypocrisy to the utmost coming from Victor, but again, the idea that Doom would view the rise of Krakoa as the time to implement Kate as his sleeper agent is something I fully buy. So, that does it. For Marauders number 10, I had a lot of fun reading this issue, again, in part because the Dawn of X is back and that there's a lot of conjecture to talk about. Also, I have to take a moment to celebrate the covers by Russell Dowderman and Matthew Wilson, which have helped make Marauders something truly special indeed. So, what did you think of the return of X-Men comics here in 2020? What do you think about Kate's resurrection? Is she really gone? I'd love to hear some comments and theories there as well. And what are you most looking forward to up next? in the Dawn of X. Let me know, and I will try to cover as much as possible as Kraken Krakoa continues. Up next, I am going to have a Kraken Krakoa special on the Omega-level mutants with reality-warping powers. That is in the works. It is not issue-specific, and it will be coming soon. Quick thank you to patrons and the mysterious benefactor tier, everybody over at patreon.com slash comicbookherald. Thank you for your support. You can go on over there for ways to support the site and content and figure out how you can get some cool bonuses. Uh, in particular, I want to thank our mysterious benefactors, Eric Hodges, Jeff Zacharias, Ron Paul Kirkley, Jesse W., Slatron, Robert Mickelson, Professor Pride, and Steve Brennan. I'm Dave. You can find me at comicbookherald, comicbookherald.com, and at comicbookherald pretty much anywhere online. And look for the best comics ever and my Marvelous Year podcasts for all of the additional podcasting that I do. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And as always, enjoy the comics.